This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everybody. Good to have you with us this week. This week, we're going to be talking uh, about a new report that was issued just uh, a few weeks ago by the Governor's Highway Safety Association, one of our closest and dearest safety partners in this space. They issued a report called Putting the Pieces Together, Addressing the Role of Behavioral Safety in the Safe System Approach. Uh, And it really challenges the community to think about some key assumptions around uh, safety planning, safety strategy, and what it means for saving lives. And so to talk to me about the report this week, is Russ Martin from the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Uh, Russ is the Senior Director of Policy and Government Relations at GHSA. Russ, welcome to your first appearance on our AmbiCast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So when we talk to folks about studies, the first question I always try to ask our guests is, why? What, what, what was the question that said, here is a new study, as you and I have talked about in the past, there's so much study and research that's always in the safety space. What was the challenge or the opportunity here to do something new and different? So that's a big, a big question with a big answer in this case. Um, it, the purpose of the report is really to fill a gap that we saw within highway safety discussions that are happening here in the United States. So in in safety, we see these different kind of neighborhoods of things that you do to make a difference. You have the infrastructure safety, the way that we sort of change the built environment and make our roadway safer. You have vehicle safety, how we ensure that the vehicles we drive are crashworthy. You have behavioral safety, which is aimed at the people themselves to ensure safe users and post-crash care, and there are probably, probably others as well. And we also saw this new... Uh, organizing framework emerging uh, that a lot of folks in the United States are beginning to talk about and uh, continue to talk about, including the, the Secretary of Transportation. And that is the safe system approach. It's a new paradigm to address highway safety in a more integrated and multidisciplinary way. And there was a lot of conversation about what the safe system approach means for infrastructure in particular, how we can manage speed, protect vulnerable road users, uh, uh, do make all these changes that we know will make a difference in safety. But there wasn't all that much discussion about how we integrate behavioral highway safety countermeasures into the safe systems. So communications campaigns, uh, traffic enforcement, things that are aimed at, at drivers themselves and people's behavior. And so what our report aimed to do was to show how these different kinds of behavioral programs can be organized within the broader safe system framework and coordinated with infrastructure and vehicle safety and all these other things that we that we know will make a difference. So we, you mentioned that phrase, and we've had other guests that have talked about it before, the safe systems approach, as you, know, as you kind of referred a relatively newer concept. I'm wondering if you could, you know, help me unpack that just a a little bit more. So our guest understands, I think there's a lot of assumptions when they hear those words together. It's a lot of assumptions made from that nomenclature. Um, And uh, I've sat in many meetings where as many people are in the room may have a different definition of the phrase. So let's get yours or at least, you know, maybe the definition that comes out of it in this report. 
So you're right. There's been a lot of debate about what it means or what it what is it is meant to mean when we implement this in the United States. But the safe system approach itself was created uh, not in the United States. I believe it began in Sweden and spread to many other countries throughout the world. Um, and it's uh, it's uh, organized around a set of principles that aim to sort of prioritize what we're going to do about highway safety. And those principles are death and serious injuries are unacceptable. Uh, humans make mistakes. Humans are vulnerable. Responsibility is shared. Safety is proactive and redundancy is critical. And uh, and also the, within the safe system approach, there are these elements, safe road users, safe vehicles, safe speeds, safe roads, post-crash care, all that's stuff we've been working on for a long time. But elevating speed, I think, is interesting because it's it, it's it's centered around this idea that crashes are going to happen. And if they do happen, um, and they're likely to happen, maybe we can't prevent it, but we can mitigate the impact if we control the energies involved. So prioritizing speed as a, as a, a crash mitigation strategy rather than a way to prevent crashes. So it's kind of an in- interesting different take on that. Um, but within all of those principles, the idea is to create a safety net. You know, So you have it's kind of like Swiss cheese. You have layers of Swiss cheese, and there might be gaps within the layers, but put them together into a stack, you can prevent anything bad from getting through. So starting with, say, getting uh, uh, starting with building a safe roadway, uh, but maybe people will still speed. Then you people will disobey the speed limit. Then the next layer is public education. You've got to uh, tell people about speed and why it's important to follow speed. Some people might ignore that as well. The next is enforcement. So they're going to disobey the speed limit. We're going to go out there and write tickets, and hopefully people will uh, will get the message. But maybe that still doesn't work. If a crash occurs, the vehicle can hopefully prevent people, someone from getting injured in that crash. So you got the vehicle layer, and then even even after that, you know what happens after the crash, the response, the emergency medicine. Uh, so hopefully by the end of the layer uh, of the set of layers, uh, you'll be able to prevent a death or a serious injury from occurring. Um, and so within that, you have all these different things that we're doing in highway safety uh, on the vehicle side with the engineers, with NHTSA on, I'm uh, sorry, the, the roadway side with the engineers, NHTSA with the vehicles, police officers and behavioral folks with education and enforcement. Mm-hmm. We got to coordinate all that stuff in a more, much more concerted way to, to work towards zero together. So if I could be the, the skeptic for a second, is that just a new way to label the four E's? I mean, isn't that what we've been talking about for so many years about bringing those disciplines together? You know, I, it's it's a debate. That's I mean that that is the question, and there are people on both sides of the debate. Yeah. The debate. Um, I think there's a case to be made for both, uh, and it kind of maybe it depends who you're talking to. Like among us practitioners, I would say, well, a lot of the stuff from the forties obviously carries over into these areas, and that's great. We're on the right track at the very least. Uh, but you know, when you go outside and you're trying to get people excited about highway safety, sometimes it's helpful to frame it up in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so I can definitely see how the, that talking about safe system in that way has brought a lot more interest and attention to highway safety that maybe wouldn't have been there before. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and speaking of that, and you referred to it earlier with the secretary, um, it's kind of come through a little bit with the, the new national strategy. And I know that's a little separate than the, the study, but I know you've been, you know, closely watching and closely involved in supporting USDOT and their national strategy. So talk a little bit about how those pieces come together and how they complement each other. Well, I think they complement themselves uh, each other very well uh, uh, in, in no small part uh, with, with the, by, by the fact that the new national strategy that the Department of Transportation has unveiled is centered around the safe system approach. And it, uh, it, it thankfully takes uh, 
uh, takes a look at all the different elements of the system. It doesn't just focus on the roadway or focus just on vehicle safety, which is much more in the federal purview. It incorporates all the different elements. And, you know, we were concerned that maybe it wouldn't, but but we're pleased that it does. And um, the focus in the in the uh, in the uh, new national strategy on speed and speed management is a breath of fresh air. Uh, folks in the highway safety community may remember that about three years ago, GHSA and the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety hosted a national forum on speed. And the thinking at that time was that, gosh, speeding is almost a forgotten issue in highway safety. Mm-hmm. We don't, certainly mm-hmm. at the federal level, they weren't really talking about it. But three years later, in no small part to uh, what we've been doing, the focus on safe systems, the focus on pedestrian and bicycle safety, which is a huge issue now, mm-hmm. um, all that has helped to elevate speed. And so hopefully we'll be able to talk about that part of highway safety uh, a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, the you were pleased that the national strategy included some of those behavioral aspects more than maybe traditionally that type of platform would. I think it's fair, fair to say. And I think, again, it gets back to the purpose of this report fundamentally is to make sure that when you're looking at whether it's the four E's, whether it's a safe system approach, when you're looking at integrated safety strategies, really focusing and getting back to individuals' behavior as the bedrock in terms of what is likely to cause a crash. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, GHSA, our members are focused on behavioral hyper safety. So I'm always going to be the cheerleader for the behavioral side. But I think right. that it is uh, it is much more complicated than that. Um, there are many different factors that go into a crash. Uh, you could say that, uh, that uh, you know, behavior... Safe users are are a bedrock in a certain extent, but the you know the way you build the roadway also influences users' behavior. All all the different factors that we see as contributing factors to crashes all influence each other in a very nuanced and subtle way. And because of that, you're never going to get to zero if you just focus on one thing. If you say we're not going to do anything except build roadways where there are crashes are going to slip through, or if you discard all that and say, we're just going to do traffic enforcement. Well, that's not going to prevent all crashes either. you got to be doing mm-hmm. all that stuff all at the same time uh, to address all the different factors that go into crashes. Um, but to back to your point, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm pleased that behavior was a part of it. Um, you know, I, it should be no surprise to, yeah, to any that, that we're, we're very much in support of behavior and the, and the important role of, of, of safe users in the system. And, um, and uh, we're glad that the report, um, not only I mean, uh, address behavior, but address infrastructure and vehicle safety and all the different parts, because it's going to take all the different approaches together. And so when you do research and you do a study, hopefully you want to learn something new. Clearly, this study affirmed and reinforced a lot of what's been in motion for many years. Mm-hmm. What's new? What surprised you? What surprised the community, if anything? Or what was those new takeaways that this study really helps open folks' eyes to? So uh, I would be remiss not to mention the authors of the report. Uh, we commissioned Sam- Cambridge Systematics, who's mm-hmm. a well-regarded transportation safety firm, to put this together for us. And what they created that is really at the core of the report, that is really the, if anyone's going to use anything from the report, um, it, it, within there's this table that runs over several pages. And we took the safe system principles, the safe system elements, and created kind of a grid. And within that grid, we took all different kinds of behavioral highway safety countermeasures and put them into grid the grid so we want to show how how specifically how behavioral programs fit into the safe system because thinking about like the next few years you're going to see states and communities launching safe system based highway safety strategies vision zero strategies and it's you know it's a big umbrella plan and you've got 
different columns within the plan of the things you want to do. And our sense was that that we're not really sure. folks out there may not be sure how how do you fit in behavioral yeah. highway safety countermeasures. And so what we were really pleased, uh, the outcome that we were really pleased about with the report was hopefully we provided a roadmap. So if you're, you, you know, your state or community out there, with starting with a blank sheet of paper and you got to figure out how you can put the framework together and you're not sure about behavior, you can take a look at our report and hopefully get some inspiration about how to fit it all under the safe system, safe system umbrella. Can you, because we have a lot of diverse types of listeners to this podcast. When you say, you know, if you're a highway safety practitioner, dive a little bit deeper for me. Folks that are listening, you know, who might that be that would really want to, everybody should, of course, go and read the report. We're going to say that at the, at the outset. Yeah. But when we talk about who that report is written for to really be a, a work tool, um, who who is that target audience well, certainly our core target audience is GHSA's members, the state highway safety offices. So every state has a state highway safety office mm-hmm. responsible for behavioral highway safety programs throughout the state. And about half of them are located within the state DOTs, but others are elsewhere in state government. I think there are at least two that are in state licensing agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out uh, to, to our friends there. Um and uh, and so every year they create state highway safety plans that lay out the kinds of behavioral programs they're going to implement in the state and how they're going to provide grants to different um, uh, grantees to implement these programs. And so as we see states moving more towards the safe system framework, um, our members might be taking a look at the highway safety plans and, and trying to organize it around the safe system. And then you sort of back up more broadly, uh, states also have what is known as the Strategic Highway Safety Plan, mm-hmm. the SHSP, which is something different that is typically prepared in a multidisciplinary way. And it's meant to include infrastructure behavior and all the other different countermeasure areas. Um, and those for sure, I imagine, will begin to shift more towards the safe system approach. And I think FHWA, FHWA has begun releasing their own resources for how state DOTs can, um, mm. can, can uh, frame things up in that way. Then on the local level, you have a lot of cities that are beginning to uh, proactively release a Vision Zero plan or a, another kind of zero-focus plan. Um, those tend to be multidisciplinary as well. So we have all these folks that are doing all this great work to reframe highway safety and put all the pieces together. And so we hope that they'll, uh, they could take our report and figure out how the behavioral parts fit into whatever plan they're developing. One of the other areas I think that's newer to this transportation safety space, and I think the report gets into it, is understanding the impacts on equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a conversation we've had on some previous episodes of podcasts and how equity um, and serving different populations play out in the transportation network and transportation services. Let's talk about how this study tackles that topic, which you know increasingly is an important part of the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so we have a section on our report dedicated to equity um, and the idea of achieving equitable outcomes. And we actually, uh, GHSA has actually published uh, sort of separate reports about the issue of equity in highway safety. Uh, there were two reports that we put out last summer. The first one was to take a look at national fatality data and uh, see what the impact of highway safety is on different kinds of minority groups. And what we found, it shouldn't be probably no surprise to anyone, is there's a disproportionate impact of crashes and injuries among among minorities, disadvantaged communities, typically disadvantaged communities, um, most notably in like the Native American population, which is kind of shocking. Uh, And I think it just goes to show that 
um, it's because of the lack of services that are being provided. These are places where that that, that places that are disadvantaged and other other kind of walks of life as well. Um, and transportation and transportation safety is probably no different. Uh, the other report we put out was uh, a report that we commissioned Kim Lee Horn to pull together for us, and that is to do a deep dive into how GHSA's members, the State Highway Safety Offices, can implement their program, behavioral programs, more equitably. Mm-hmm. It's no secret that there's been this national conversation about traffic enforcement, p- police enforcement, and the relationship between law enforcement and equity. And that spills over into highway safety too, because we have law enforcement agencies out there doing critical traffic enforcement and stopping drunk drivers and stopping speeders and distracted drivers. And all that work is valuable. I mean, these are things that create a deterrent effect. They hold drivers accountable. They certainly get a lot of impaired drivers off the road and get them uh, uh, into the system and get them the help they need. Um, so we're not in a place where we can dispose of all of that. So we wanted to explore how can we t- how can we take highway safety programs and implement them in a more equitable way. And a mm-hmm. lot of things that that go into that are are work that we need to do with our subrecipients um, to make sure that their programs reflect those those goals of equity. Uh, collecting data about traffic stops to ensure sh- sure we can identify trends. Sometimes trends only appear in the numbers, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we got We got We got to stay on top of that um, within the highway safety planning process. Uh, reaching out to new diverse communities and involving diverse voices in the highway safety planning planning process, putting together your, your plans and your strategies. Um, the other kinds of highway safety services that we deliver to communities, it's not good enough just to do high school programs for teen drivers. You can't just go to the white suburbs anymore. We need to go out. We, can't, we have to go out to, to all the communities and serve, serve everyone in, in the states, in the cities, around the country. Um, so we're thinking through all of that in, 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 in a concerted and systematic way. Um, we, our reports, we, we have recommendations for our members about things that they can do, uh, things that GHSA probably should be doing in the future, things that NHTSA can do to help out. It feeds into the safe system approach as well. I think a lot of people have said, probably rightly so, that we're never going to be able to get to zero unless we, unless we do it in an equitable way. And mm-hmm. equ- equity is an important way to make sure that all of our programs reach everyone they need to reach save all the lives that they need to save. Um, and if we don't, I mean, at the very least, um, the the uh, the focus that's come on to traffic enforcement, um, frankly, it threatens, you know, the integrity of our, our it undermines what we're trying to do in safety. So we've got to figure out a path forward. And, and we're hoping that all the work that GHSA has done, we're hoping that we can help to lead the way. Yeah. And that's, it's a, um, that's not an easy conversation to have. Um, yeah. and I'm sure you've discovered that whether it's with your members or, or with stakeholders. Um, and cause even in what you just said, which is on, on one hand, you want to make sure that whether it's, um, the enforcement community or in safety strategy planning, uh, that we're making sure it's being delivered in an equitable way. And at the same time, some of the challenges to what's been done, you know, I want to I want to ask you more about that statement. Could undermine some of the the fundamentals in in the highway safety community. Tell me more about that statement. Well, uh, after um, after a couple summers ago, when we first started started talking about this issue in earnest, and it was in the news, um, and our members were beginning to feel the effects. I mean, there were some states that had to go and sort of talk to their up higher ups to explain why traffic enforcement is important and why we can't just stop it, right? Um, and that's 
that's probably happened across the country in, in many different contexts. Um, we, we've seen during the pandemic, um, at least at the beginning, there was a drop in traffic enforcement. And what happened? What are the numbers showing? That fatalities gone up. We have increases in dangerous driving behavior. And a lot of people attribute that to lots of different things. But like uh, the roadways didn't change. The vehicles really didn't change that appreciably. What changed? It changed people's behavior and the makeup of the driving population and changes in enforcement. Um, I, this is not a rigorous scientific analysis, but I think it's a reasonable hypothesis that I know that there are researchers out there trying to unpack. Um, so we know that enforcement is important. We can't discard it today. Undoubtedly, there are lots of other things that we we are doing in hype safety on infrastructure, vehicles. All that's also equally indisposable. As I said before, it goes back to this idea of a comprehensive approach, and you gotta you gotta address all the different elements of the system. Um, oh, another way you might you might look at it is like the way that different interventions address different parts of the problems in very specific ways. So, like you can build a roadway to manage speed and protect vulnerable road users. And so maybe you don't need to do traffic enforcement that addresses speed, but good luck building anything that's going to get someone to buckle their seatbelt or not get into their car while they're drunk. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of roadway intervention you're going to do. That's not to sort of discount infrastructure, but it just goes to show that you, we got we to gotta use different approaches to address the problem in different ways. Yeah. Certainly, there's nothing you can build on the roadway that's going to prevent a drunk driver from recidivating. Um, so I'm not saying that to be facetious. I mean that's a real yeah. that's a real a real issue. So we're trying to think we're trying to think bigger in that respect. But you know it's a good to help folks understand the safe systems approach using that impaired driver as example. You're mm-hmm. not going to build a roadway to stop them from recidivating, but you can build a roadway that if they do it, the impact of them leaving the roadway or crossing the line into an oncoming vehicle. Uh, we can mitigate the impact of that event, especially if we know there's a location where those incidents tend to happen. We got to layer those layers of redundancy. It's about the layers. You know, you can't rely on one layer. You got to have multiple right. layers. And so what does that mean when you add equity onto that onto that layer? I mean, how does that change? We go back to brass tacks. How does that change highway safety planning at the state level when they're thinking about what projects we want to do, where we want to spend the money? Certainly, the, the the layers of your Swiss cheese, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. I'm not I like a lot of cheese, but not Swiss cheese. Um, in case anybody was wondering, of course. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing that, right, it, it's easy to say, okay, we want to design the road a certain way. We want to um, educate people to behave a certain way. Uh, but when states are looking at deploying resources, how does adding that that equity filter change the conversation? So I think there's a lot of different ways to approach that, but one one example that might be helpful to illustrate what we mean is like, okay, so you you're putting together your strategy, you've done the data analysis, you identify communities where the problem is, whatever the problem might be. Let's just say um, uh, lack of seatbelt use, mm-hmm. uh, people people aren't buckling up, and so you have a list of like these are the 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 counties or the uh, the uh, whatever whatever jurisdiction where. Where, where that is happening the most. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do about it? Well, um, we and we're, we're thinking behavior. So we can go and we can do seatbelt enforcement campaigns in all those counties. And that's probably what we would have done 20 years ago and just right. called it a day and see what happened. But I don't think it's good enough to do that anymore because you have to look at the wider context. Like, let's say one of those communities is a place where there have been protests for two years about police brutality and uh uh, strained relationships between the police and mm-hmm. and the community. That's not necessarily the best place to be 
putting all of your eggs into the enforcement basket. And so I think the, the next step you got to do, you, we got to go out to the community, talk to community leaders about what's going on, show them how this is affect how, how it's killing people in their community and figure out what they, what, what, what should we do? What, what do you guys want to do? Maybe it's not enforcement, probably it's not enforcement, but maybe that's the place where we invest in other kinds of interventions, community campaigns, high school programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a long list of possibilities. Yeah. So thinking in a much more sophisticated way about the menu of things that we can do and right-sizing our interventions on a, like a hyper local level, which is not so, I mean, like our members operate statewide programs. That's a lot of territory. And I think there, there's, there's probably room to improve, uh, to, to, to do that approach a little more effectively. So this has been out for a number of weeks now. Uh, what type of reaction and feedback are you getting from the community, uh, that's had a chance to absorb the report? I think it's been good. Um, uh, we've silenced our critics. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I think everyone appreciates it. Um, uh, uh, I, I, certainly we got, we gotten a lot of compliments. Um, we're, we're very pleased of course that the national roadway safety strategy seemed to, 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 to take, take some hints from, from some of the, the points that we put out. Um, that's, that's gratifying as well. Um, so I, I mean, I, I can't share any complaints. I think if yeah. there's anything for the future, it's just, uh, this is the beginning of a process. It's not closing the door, but rather opening one. And I'm hoping that we'll follow up with, with more resources for, for the greater grid. Where can our listeners find these studies and the other resources that you referred to earlier? Everything is available on GHSA's website at ghsa.org. Great. Well, Russ, I appreciate you spending some time with us today to talk about uh, the studies and some of the trends in uh, behaviors and safe systems approach, which, you know, I, I think is definitely going to become more of the mainstream vernacular. At least I, I hope so, because I certainly think that your report, as well as so much of the other research we've seen in the past, really two to three years, that's really start to establish that as a model to follow in, in the U.S., hopefully is one that many of our uh, safety partners and uh, state and provincial-based uh, safety practitioners will, will begin to follow. I imagine you are working on gearing up toward something like maybe Lifesavers next month, where perhaps this might be uh, integrated into some of the discussion there? Uh, undoubtedly, I, I would I would be surprised if there wasn't, you know, ongoing conversations about safe systems at Lifesavers. Uh, for GHSA in particular, we're, we're holding our next GHSA annual meeting in person in Louisville, Kentucky in mid-September. So, uh, we'll be opening registration later this year and hope to see everyone there. And we'll definitely be talking about a lot of these issues at that conference. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.